0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now.
1: Hey, Slick Talkers, this episode is going to be very different, and in a good way, I hope. A couple weeks ago, I told you guys things are going to be changing throughout the Slick Talk format, and I'm always continuing to interview people, but I wanted to take a step back as I'm here in Dallas for the Podcast Movement Conference after our announcement of Amplified Audio. If you haven't heard about Amplified Audio... Go to the bonus episode that I released last week to hear a little bit more about what is happening within our audio business. But for right now, I wanted to sit back and I've never actually done a solo episode in a long time. I know I did solo episodes when I first started Slick Talk back in 2018. But of course, you guys demanded more interviews. That's what grew the show. And through the last four years, I think it's been kind of a scary thing for me to think about doing a solo episode again. So what I wanted to do with this is that I'm actually recapping some of my favorite parts of episodes from the last year or two. So in this episode, you're going to hear from Chloe Cohen, Richard Walter, Brittany Blackman, and John on. And the whole point of this episode is to highlight the conversations that were previously had. I know we have a lot of new listeners on Slick Talk. And so with new listeners, I want to highlight some previous guests that just really stuck out to me. Plus, I'll give you a high recap afterwards after we play a clip from that episode. Make sure you check out the show notes because if you like what you hear in these clips, make sure that you go listen to the full episode just so that way you can get the full context of the conversation. I know I had a great time and these guests are amazing. I call them friends now in a lot of ways. I still talk to a lot of my podcast guests almost regularly. I hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'm so excited to have a blast here in Dallas while at the podcast movement conference. And of course, I need to give a quick shout out to my team, Amplified Audio, to our sponsors that sponsor this podcast, whether it's hostfully, whether it's safely, whether it's Jetstream, there's a whole bunch of them. And you can check them all out at our partners page at hospitality.fm. And we'll see you all again next week. You're listening to Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. All right. Now this first clip is from Chloe Cohen and Chloe talks about how these bigger brands are creating niche soft brands and the power of pretty much tapping into these unique experiences and these unique stays that people are really craving. And obviously we've seen this before COVID, but COVID really drove this type of stay, this type of property type, this type of brand. When it comes to hospitality, whether it's short-term rentals, hotels, you name it, people are looking for something so different. I love everything that Chloe says in this clip. So go ahead, tune in. We're going to hear from Chloe right now.
2: I think Airbnb disrupted the vertical and the niches are just popping up all over the place. And I think that they're going to continue being separate apps as all these soft brands are launched across the board, I do think that as these brands continue to launch their soft brands across the board, what's going to become more and more important is customer loyalty and the retention program and that's where the omni channel marketing comes in that i mentioned in the beginning it's creating this entire cured experience and having them say i want to stay at a chloe brand because i know it's sustainable and i'm going to sleep really well and i'm going to have all my amenities needed and bed and everything that i need is going to be there and the quality of service is always going to be good and so therefore i want to stay at a hotel chloe and i think that's going to keep happening And i think that people as like i said we have a privilege now right we have the privilege of saying Want to glam or sleep in a yurt or in a bubble tent? Back in the day, it's if you had an air conditioning that was an amenity. Now it's if you have dirt, amenity. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is that we are getting more and more into humanity, more and more into our personal needs, and so people are just going to be a different type of traveler. So it's like I'm a travel pod person, or I am the type of traveler that just like visits glamping sites around the world. So maybe there'll be one major Airbnb type site for glamping. But I do think that the soft brands will have to create the customer loyalty and then people are just going to keep booking those same sort of things. But I actually think that people are going to be looking for experiences. So they're going to start booking based on experience. So it's like, hey, honey, what are the mood up? I've been in the office nine to five every single day, and we both know it's probably 18 hour days and yeah. I make a million dollars a year, but I want to have a farm to table experience. So they're like, okay, let's book a ranch on Montana where they actually make you go pick the veggies in the morning and then they cook it for breakfast. So like the guy gets to feel like his hands in the dirt and he really gets to feel like experience that he like loves it. Or the other way around. Like you get to travel by experience. So I think that's where it's gonna really become popular. So will there be separate, I don't even want to call them OTAs, but will there be yeah. like separate sites per experiential vertical? I don't know, but there definitely will be separate sites per like soft brand. Yeah.
1: I I totally agree. I follow along with that. And we recently did an episode about niche marketing and niche everything and how that's playing into a role with direct bookings or getting off platforms like Airbnb that are having such a huge demand in guest travel. You did say something earlier, and I want to revisit this because this is something that really gets me excited. And I love everything you've been saying. So I think this is going to be an episode for the record, just an FYI. But you talked about flexible living. So like the hotel group where you're going to have like a residential Aspect, or maybe a wing or a floor, and then the rest will be ran like a hotel. So tell me more about that because I've been with some friends that are doing a similar project, and we've seen other places that are companies like RealPage with Kigo launching their Migo program and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious to hear more about that with you. What's going on in that sector? What do you? What are your thoughts on the maybe use of data and technology? Is this something that the industry needs, or is it like? being pulled or pushed? What are your thoughts on it?
2: So my thoughts on it is that I'm an ideas person, but I'm also a data science person. So everything and every idea that I come up with, I always like do market validation with data scientists that I actually try to hire from local universities, their local MSMB program. So that I'm a very big believer in helping elevate local markets as you invest in their cities. So with these things that are coming out, I think that most of us are very brave. And I say us, but I'm not really in the forefront, but the people who are putting up the capital on people who are buying and purchasing these buildings are very brave because we are experimenting. And I've seen 15 to, I want to say 1,500, but I'm exaggerating, type of different variants at the same business model, right? Yeah. So it's like pop-up hotel as you lease out the building, membership-based leasing, membership-based leasing with property management if you want an Airbnb 180 days a year, room rental, apartment rentals, monthly rental, stay, short. Like, it's just like the variations and the little variants that are happening are just constantly growing and growing. And there are so many successful companies that are not even necessarily VC-backed, so we're not necessarily studying their business model, see what's actually happening. Now, I lost track of what your question was, but what I feel like I'm answering it
1: Yeah, no. With the flex living, just going into that and what doing research, and it sounds like you're, as one of my mentors says, he is a creative analytic. So you're very creative, out of the box person, but you usually go into that research, data science type aspect where that backs up the creativity.
2: A hundred percent. And I've had a lot of different groups that approached me, and these groups are actually a variation of personality types. Some people come from a background of the corporate background of like hedge fund and capital. And there are people that are coming from the background of developers. And then there are people that are coming from the hospitality, more like a restaurants, hotels sort of background. They're all coming together and they're hiring me to consult with them, which I want to start pushing to get like equity and to start building in a partnership instead of just being the consultant that yeah. literally launches their brands. Exactly. To help curate this. And it's market by market. Every single market's different, but it is so exciting. It's so much fun to see it because. Not only are people traveling differently, people are thinking differently in terms of travel. So they're traveling differently if they're, let's say, traveling by themselves. Or travel pods is like a trend. I'm sure you've heard of it. So it's like this trend where people are just traveling in groups that they trust. So these are all their friends that are either all vaccinated or all not vaccinated or all on the same page politically or whatever it is. And so they're all together and they're traveling in pods. So now instead of hotel units being these cookie cutter boxes, each unit is its own entity. So like a lodge versus a room next to another room or things of that nature. But it all really comes down with market validation. But then there's like this little like little part of me that I really listen to very strongly. It's the intuition part. And that's the risk factor. And you can't be in the forefront of any war or any revolution or any disruption if you don't have the ability to live with uncertainty. And I certainly love uncertainty. I love the unknown. And it's the most exciting territory for me to explore. So I am that person who like Columbus discovers America. And then now that we discover it, like you go ahead and build it. I yeah. <laughs> <Bye. laughs> onto the next territory. But I think that this is a very fun territory to explore. And there's some intuition that plays into it. For example, do you put a spa in a place that has no spas, right? Will people come? Will they not come? Can you create a membership-based workspace if they don't even have that concept? They don't understand even what co-working is. So like, how do you build things that are outside the parameters of data research? So now you can try to create a correlated audience and look at like alike audience and make correlations with audiences like in other states. So like this state has similar provisions as this state and they have similar infrastructures in terms of transportation. What about tax is a big thing like a tip tax like government assistance, like opportunity zones. There's a lot of different reasons why people come corporate taxes, right? If you build, will they come? Like you have to look at all these different things, but then you can really start building out a picture and you can estimate how successful you're going to be in any given market. But the intuition part is the play part, but that's a lot of fun too, because it's intuition. You can see it, you can feel the trend coming, but it's not as validated as the other hard data facts are
1: okay i hope you love that clip as much as i did and now for this next clip that you're about to hear is from richard Walter who is the founder of muse and i loved this episode i literally was a geek fanboy when i got to sit down with richard and talk about the philosophy of hospitality so let's jump in and enjoy this clip from richard What are you guys doing different? Like as is it the perfect example of what you've imagined or is it still kind of held into that throne of like what the industry has created?
0: No, I like, I think that, um, you know, when I first told my sister about all the different ways that she should be running the hotel, I think she kind of was like, whoa, 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 like, you know, there's, there's things that work and we're just going to go with that. And I think that that's the challenge for us basically as a tech company, we've got to make sure that it actually kind of works. So you know, there, there's some like really, really cool, interesting concepts that have grown up around news. Basically there's, you know, there's, um, hotels that don't have a standard check-in check out period basically. Uh, because if, if you think about that, like, you know, I love your example of it. It's like, you know, I'm going to be staying six extra hours and I have to pay for 24, you know, but still like, it's actually not 24 hours. If you're checking in at 3 PM yeah. and you're checking out at 11, you know, that's like, you're essentially kind of like giving somebody a 20-hour a service, basically. So yeah. you're even kind of like taking away those four hours. And I just think like, you know, none of these things were built with the guest in mind. You know, like, I think we ask hotel like guests to stand in the queue waiting for a key. You know, how is that of service to the guest? You know, we ask them to check in at a specific time. How is that of service yeah. to the guest? No. When you think about all of these kind of great tech companies like Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. obsessing about customer, uh, customer service and customer experience, you know, we are the industry that invented customer service and customer experience. And we do such a terrible job of actually kind of, you know, managing that and actually kind of, you know, really, really living it because of the fact that we kind of, we live through our SOPs, we live through, you know, the, the, the standard operating times basically that we've kind of, we've done. And. And that's the thing, the, the world is moving towards an on-demand uh, system where the customer is key. They get to basically decide how they want to experience something. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get it within traditional hospitality, they're going to go elsewhere. You know, you've seen, for example, the rise of the Saunders of the world, yeah. you know, and, and these different types of models, basically, that are, you know, the way that I see it is like, at the end of the day, Airbnb just brings about a new way of structuring a hotel together because it's essentially distributed inventory, uh, much in the same way that cloud computing is distributed uh, software or the distributed kind of servers, basically. Um, and it's the same thing. You know, you go from monolithic structures that you have to kind of put into a server room inside your your basement in order to run your technology to to manage. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, you you now can create a hotel out of 300 Airbnbs, basically, yeah. you don't have to actually kind of have them in the same building. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, a lot of the times you can think about yielding in a much, much better way. And, and it's not just Airbnbs. Like, you know, we, we look at, for example, like hostels, which are basically the original low-cost carriers, yeah. you know, of the hospitality industry, because you pay, you pay something for a bed. You want a double bed, you pay extra. You want a uh, communal shower, then that's that's fine that's free you want a little bit kind of you know a um uh you want a private uh bathroom you pay a little bit extra you know you have a locker yeah if you want a large locker you basically pay a little bit extra you want towels you pay a little bit extra it's like it's not nice mm-hmm. but basically like you know what you see is that some of these hostels basically and like you know when you're looking at the the generators of the world and you know they yield more per square meter than some of the some of the most luxurious hotels basically in the world just because of the fact that you know everyone kind of understands that you're you're packaging it all together yeah. and you're piecing it all together basically and and that that is fundamentally you know like at a hostel and i look at you know the most luxurious resort you're doing exactly the same thing you're just piecing services together yeah and you're trying to basically make sure that you you're yielding the most amount per guest mm-hmm you know, and it, like, and that's, that's the whole point. And that's why, you know, all of these things are scalable through that, uh, through that type of, um, thinking. And it goes back to, you know, how can you be super flexible about the, the service that you're actually kind of offering? How can you be also flexible in terms of the design? And, you know, again, go, going back to the, you know, my, my, my problem with my property was that I had a very, specific idea of how I wanted to run it and how I wanted these kind of things. And no system would give me the flexibility to actually design it. If I wanted, um, you know, to have one check-in every single half an hour, Mm -hmm. and there's basically a whole welcoming procedure, you know, for everyone actually kind of coming in and there's like, and everyone at the reception basically like acts like they're actors and it's a specific thing. Like, why couldn't that be a thing? in in hotels like why can we give people specific times that they actually kind of check in out but it just means that there's like you know there's somebody who just like wafts you with a feather you know <laughs> like there's another person who like sings you an aria yeah and there's another person who basically like you know reads you the the founding uh declaration of that city you know and you know and that's the theater that you're coming into and that's going to be A memorable experience basically. And it's a show that goes on every single half an hour, basically. Um, and probably for the guests that that are staying, like they get earplugs so that they don't (laughs) have to hear the opera singer every single half an hour. But you know, like the point is, is that you can just unleash huge amount of creativity if you have the flexibility and if the SOPs is something that you can actually kind of program. Yeah. And if that's the case, basically, then you just unlock a huge amount of innovation and and flexibility basically into that model and you just think of everything as basically just some sort of you know either you're creating some co- some kind of package or product or you're basically treating every single thing as an add-on service and you're trying to basically bring as many add-on services as you possibly can and the customer fundamentally they are, they'll understand it like yeah. if you tell them that you know the cheapest time to to clean a room is going to be between you know this time and this time if they basically arrive at you know if they arrive super early you're going to be like fine but there's a cleaning fee that's attached to it or it's basically like a surge cleaning fee yeah yeah for you know the the times outside of that that normal time and it's going to be you know 22 dollars for every single minute under 11 uh, 11 o'clock like or however you want to kind of like think about it and do it like and that's the way that we think about when we're architecting the system, we're thinking about it. It's just you know moving towards complete flexibility, mm. that you can basically have the craziest ideas. And the reason why you come to muse is because you're actually interested in A, making the most amount of money, and we're giving you a competitive advantage, basically because of the fact that our system can do it. and b, it just it makes you feel creative, it makes you feel like you're a human being designing a service for another human being that they're willing to actually kind of pay for. And it's not that you're basically kind of in a location and you have a bed and that's the, the foundation of basically the amount of money that you can ask these person for.
1: Man, that was such a good clip. I loved the whole episode. If you haven't heard the full thing with Richard, I swear you need to go back and listen to it. It's so good. So now as we're jumping into this next clip, Brittany Blackman, I am such a big fan of her and her story, so the reason why I want to put her clip into this episode was because she just has that natural entrepreneurial drive where she just kind of said, screw it, I'm going to go for it. I see what I am gifted at, and I know I have a passion for this, and the people that I was working for aren't very good people, and at the end of the day, I can do better, so I'm going to prove it. And she did. So I love this clip. Enjoy hearing a little bit of Britney's story in three, two, one.
3: So I was operations manager at a local company for nine, nine and a half years and always saw myself becoming a bigger part of the company, uh, becoming an owner and having that responsibility and weight on the shoulders. And it was crazy because when COVID hit, it was like this emotional shake to everybody. And it's, are you happy? What are you doing with your life? You're stuck in your house with your family. You can't go anywhere. Like you really had to sit there and go, am I happy? What's right and what's not? And uh, I hit it one last time to try to attempt to buy the company that I worked for. And needless to say, it did not work out. And again, I I knew what road I wanted to start heading down. So from there, I turned around and started building everything from scratch. And it was September of 2020 when I left and started out. We started with our rentals in January of this year, and it was definitely frightening. Because yes, if you're starting a, a business in a pandemic, but I just, I love the industry so much. And I just really felt like tourism is just one of those things in our world that's never going to go away.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I'm curious, what were you doing before you got into vacation rentals? Was there any hospitality correlation prior? To- so
3: I've always been involved in hospitality from a big level. Like um, I grew up in restaurants. I did retail. I'm originally from Georgia. I moved to Florida. 11, 12 years ago, and I started doing sales down here. And so from that, I used to run back and forth on the harbor in Destin, taking pictures of all the fishing boats when they came in. I have to sell fishing pictures to the people on the boats. And that was like super fun, but definitely not something I wanted to do the rest of my life. So when I left from there, that's when I wound up finding the reservations position at a vacation rental company. And I didn't know what a vacation rental was. We definitely didn't have those in, or I didn't think we had them in (laughs) North Georgia at the time, but that's always my first step into vacation rentals. And then it's just been a crazy addiction since then.
1: That's a good way to describe it. Crazy addiction. Since then, I feel the same way. Yeah, it's very addictive. Once you find the inner workings, and you just get one little piece of it, and you're like, I want more. so totally understandable. I guess my next question to you then would be your biggest takeaways from doing operations at that previous company to then just starting Breathe Easy. One, I love the name of Breathe Easy. I love the brand. I think Breathe easy is such a great way to describe what we try to accomplish as vacation rental managers and operators. We want our guests to have a breath of fresh air. We want them to relax and to really just understand that we're here to take care of them. And so I guess for you starting this company, let's just dive into the biggest takeaways that you had from your previous experience that you brought to what you've created now.
3: I think one of the biggest things I learned was just setting processes, or I should say the importance of setting processes and Always working on those processes if they need to change. You can't just be stale. And we did this this way 10 years ago. So it has to work. There might be one thing in your business you can do that way, but that's probably it. So that was one of the biggest things, especially as you grow. There's a difference in operating five rentals versus 100, 115, like when I left. So that was the biggest thing I knew that, you know, I didn't have a team to rely on at the beginning. It was me doing 100% everything. So I had to have processes so I could be efficient. And then it honestly gave me like a dive into figuring out what all could go wrong. So that way, I, as I knew I was going to be building a team, I could try to set those barriers up so people would make mistakes as much if I knew what could happen in some things. So the organization and the processes was honestly just one of the biggest things. And then at the end of the day here in Destin, it's a very competitive market. There's 6,000 rental managers here, I think. And So you have to have that communication with the owners. There's some owners who never come to their properties and they don't care. They just want rental income. That's not what I wanted. I wanted owners who actually cared about the Breathe Easy experience, that care about their properties and what they provide to the guests. And with that, they expect a lot of communication from me. They want their property kept well and organized. And if there's issues, communicate with them. I think those are two of the biggest things that I've stepped into this knowing, okay, I've got to get processes set up so I can be efficient. And I've got to make sure I picked my market of owners. And then how do I communicate and keep those relationships with them?
1: Such a good story from Brittany and how she just went for it. And she was super thoughtful throughout this whole process of starting her business. She knew she had to create systems and processes. And right out the gate, she wanted to be able to be efficient, not as a hectic host or as just a you know, put together a brand that made no sense. She literally thought about everything. So it was just really cool to have this story with her and hear the development. And now this episode was recorded a while ago. So the numbers, some of the data and the information on where she was at at the time has definitely changed. So I highly recommend you check out anything from Brittany on LinkedIn. She's heavily engaged in the industry. Again, just really loved this clip with Brittany. And now to wrap up this episode, John on joins me on the podcast and this clip is going to highlight our portion where we talked about the importance of entrepreneurship and how we integrate life balance with our personal day to day, family, friends, social, other you know things that we do outside of our business then actually growing the business and why his why was so important to grow up with his kids and to be doing the things that his dad wasn't able to be doing with his son and you know all these other things. listening back to this clip actually struck an emotion with me that I haven't felt in a while since actually we recorded this podcast episode but you know not being super close with my dad in, in my early childhood days, This was just something that was super, it's always like a soft spot for me, if that makes sense. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. And so as you hear this clip from John on, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And maybe if you didn't make it this far, if you did make it this far, Thank you just for tuning in and being a part of the podcast. I really enjoyed making this. And so I think I'm going to keep doing this a little bit more, but I would love to hear your thoughts. So please reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest platform for any type of messaging. Let me know your thoughts. Do you like these types of episodes or do you want me to go back to more interviews?
4: My why is actually my family. So my my wife, my kids, grandparents and everything. Part of why I started this crazy venture was so that I would have time with my family. I wanted to grow up with my kids. I didn't want to miss it and then be like, oh man, you guys are leaving leaving the house. And so that's part of the foundation. And I, I lose focus obviously sometimes, but that's the overall outline that that I work with. And then so between Ohana State and Tech Tape, to me, it's all the same thing, right? Yeah. Separate services but it's the same exact business. And so to me, it doesn't feel like two different businesses. It's using the same system and helping to solve problems. So that's not all that challenging right now. The other thing that I do is I live and die by my calendar. I have my calendar. I finally got my wife to start using the calendar the way we need to. It's something that like my time has to be blocked out. There's a a calendar where she blocks that out. And my schedule is pretty much available for anyone to book. If anyone wants to chat, there's a Calendly link. But then I also have big blocks of time that I block out. Weekends, I block out completely. I guess I try to create what the boundaries are that I'm willing to do. And then out of that, within that, the remainder of the time, that's where I need to figure out what I need to focus on. I think I'm pretty also, I'm pretty good at when I start feeling overwhelmed, I'm pretty good at taking a step back and saying, what are the most urgent or most critical things that I need to be working on? Or what are the most value driving things that I need to be working on? And so that I can focus on that at the time that I need to. And I think it's that discipline of, you know, blocking out my boundaries and then working within that i don't know that's yeah all i can say but i have to say recently my schedule has gotten a lot busier yeah <laughs> and well, trying to keep that true it's
1: good that you i don't know a lot of people if i ask them that question outside of the podcast or like in person a lot of them don't have that self awareness to know like when they're burning out or when they need to block off yeah hey, I just need to sit back and what are the top priorities i need to focus on and can cut out the noise because we get so I don't know. At least I do. I feel like I get hit so many different directions with different things. And oh my gosh. I want to hit all of them. You want to be, you don't want to be that guy that gets too busy to work with people or to talk to somebody or to give an opinion or to whatever. I don't know. And I actually had a like interesting time at the live res partner conference talking with Andrew Bates, the CEO of safely. And he's like, there's going to be a point where you're going to, you're not going to be able to talk to everybody and you're going to be too busy for some people. And it, that's okay. And I was like, but I don't want to get that way. And I think it's very, Good for us as entrepreneurs, especially in this industry, to be very self-aware of. You know our our why. I love that you mentioned your why. I saw you post on Facebook a picture with you and your son going to the barber shop, and I saw the great
4: mission that I want to keep going. Yeah, as long as he'll let me. Yeah, get a haircut with him. Right. I think last night my son, this is middle school, he was one of the recipients of a character award, and I'm so proud of him. We went. I love my dad. Everything, but. As I was going, it was kind of like a flashback. I was like, you know what? My dad never came to any of these things for me. And I had a little tear in my eye as I was going, but I was so happy that I could be there to celebrate this moment with him. And having this kind of a work-life balance is what's allowing me
1: to do this. And I wouldn't trade it for the world.